What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen for NBA coverage. Remember, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure that you leave that five-star review. You do that, we'll keep producing that content. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the race for MVP, the form of the Los Angeles Clippers out of the All-Star break, and where did the Houston Rockets go from here after their season kind of fell off a bit of a cliff? But uh, before we get into all that, Chris, how you doing, man? Pretty good, man. It's good to talk some NBA today. Look, they got the day off. Uh, there's no sunshine here in Boston yet. It's still like 20 degrees, so nothing new but stay inside, watch some Rockets clips, and talk about that today, so I'm pumped to do it. And let's let let's see. Is the the word of the day sample size? Because we want to talk about the Clippers and their their four games. Yeah, I mean, like, let, I I'm just gonna say, like, obviously that game uh, was it on Wednesday Wednesday evening. LeBron seeing that LeBron James can still turn into Superman was was obviously that was a lot of fun. It, it was cool to see him just go off. That 19 points to five triples, just unbelievable to get to make that 21 point comeback in the fourth quarter against the Clippers. Obviously, really cool seeing that. Lakers are still so, so questionable, and they tried to make that win mute by really struggling against the, the Wizards last night. But uh, on the, on the Clippers, it I know they've been kind of injured out of the uh, out of the All break. George missed a couple of games. Zubox was missing uh, on Wednesday too. Do you get the vibe that the, the Clippers are kind of just thinking now out of the All break? It's just let's we'll we'll, we'll be fine here. We're not going to get the one seed. Let's just worry about being healthy when we get to the playoffs. Do you think they're looking ahead now rather than and staying in the moment of the regular season? I, I don't get that vibe. I, I, I don't get that vibe. I, I still feel the I still feel the intensity there. I still feel the especially from Kawhi. Like Kawhi continues to really push his performance. Um, the ways the shooting form has been of late, the way he's still attacking the rim. And you still get that defensive intensity from the team there. I, I mean, when when you play LeBron, I mean that that game in particular, like that, that was a really hard fought comeback by the Lakers. And I think there was just there was not enough firepower to respond from the Clippers on that end. And that's where Paul George I think comes in line. But um, I mean, as as Coach Ham said, like LeBron just kind of pulled the cape out. Um, interesting word choice he said. He just had to whip it out. But we won't comment on that. Um, <laughs> Darvin Ham just has some very interesting, very, very interesting uh, post-game interview styles, but I digress. The Clippers, I'm not worried. It's four games. They need to get Paul George back. Um, they've had a, they've hovered around a top five net rating ever since Harden has joined, and that's continued. And we've seen that form. We've seen how well their offense has gelled with Harden at the helm, with Kawhi continuing to be just outstanding offensively. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I, I just kind of got that vibe. You've seen the one and three and just like with, with George being out, obviously I know they've said that the George injury is not going to be too serious. He could be back next game, have Zubox back and they'll be back to, to normal and winning. It just I think they're like, are they like four games off? Have, they, have the Nuggets and the and the other two kind of split a bit from them since the All-Star break with the uh, the run that they, they've been on? So like, you're kind of thinking if any of the the teams below, like the Pelicans, like the Suns, or the or the Mavs, can really put together a strong one, maybe they could catch the Clippers. But uh, I think I mean yeah, we talked about it. Their, their strength of schedule, um, top ten and difficulty. Um, just looking at their schedule, I mean they got Minnesota coming up, Milwaukee coming up, and we're gonna talk about the Rockets. I mean the Rockets have been on a slump, but they're no easy out either, and they're on national television. Um, Chicago has just become such a fantastic trap team this season. So you face Chicago, you think, oh, okay, that's easy. But then the they beast, just took it Andre over. Drummond. <laughs> Andre, like he is approaching like Dennis Rodman level, like rebounding at times when you, when you get him to start. Um, no comment on that. We don't have to talk. He, but, he's been awesome. I don't want to get into the Bulls, but he's been awesome. Drummond, man. Drummond has been great. Let's not say it. Don't say it. Cause anytime <laughs> we say anything nice about the Bulls, they, they make it worse. But yeah, Milwaukee twice, Minnesota twice, Chicago twice. Um, New Orleans is also not an easy out either. So that's just over the course of their next 10 games. This is a tough stretch. They need Paul George back. And if you talk to me five games from now and they're losing still like 75% of the games, then I guess I'm worried. But I think at the end of the day, if, if we've seen how good they can be, we've seen it consistently. And I think 
if they do kind of like settle in and try to stay healthy for the playoffs, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I still think they're going to be in the top six. They're not going to sink to the play-in. And if they, if I had to like choose, put a crystal ball and choose, okay, have some guys rest, let Paul George get some extra time and be actually fully healthy. Say Kawhi's got a couple uh like just sore joints, rest him a couple bit. I'm I'd rather take that a hundred times out of a hundred than risk, you know, having another lost season because they can't afford that. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like when I say I'm worried about them, I, I don't mean like I just think they're like in terms of regular season, they're not really thinking about that. They're focused on the playoffs. Like as long as they're healthy in the playoffs, they're still the next best best uh, option outside of the Nuggets in the Western Conference. I think that that's uh, like uh, that's my thinking there. I'm not I'm not like ruling them out of contention. They're going to drop off or anything like that. Yeah, and the I Lakers, would love to see from from them is like if they rested Kawhi and Paul George. You know, like imagine they just rested those three, and then they're like, all right, Russ, can you just give us a a forty minute just like triple double here? Just you get the ball. Like I, I want to see a Russ performance. <laughs> if we're gonna get that out of this, that'd be sweet. Yeah, for real. And then obviously the Lakers are similar sort of buzz in terms of their schedule next. I think they've got 11 or 12 at home. All 12 are in California. The only road game is against the Kings. But they've got like tough teams coming to uh, coming to LA. I, I really think like if the Lakers are really going to make any sort of push to, to not finish in the 9 or 10 seed, they got to go like 8 of 11 in these next games. And that won't be easy because they face the Thunder, the Wolves, the Bucks, the Kings, like they've got a lot of big time teams yep. coming to Nuggets tomorrow too. It, it's, yeah, like the Nuggets like, like it is gonna be it's gonna be real, real, real tough for them. And they they if they're gonna they're gonna show it now and now uh, this this stretch, this this uh eleven or twelve games at home, this is the this is the time that they gotta they gotta make the move it's if it's there for them. Yeah. The Lakers I mean just just to like go on that, not just uh in terms of actual basketball outcomes, but you talked a couple weeks ago about perceptions. Um, they are on TV one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games out of their next 11 in this point of the season where they need to just accumulate wins. They, they need to really can't afford to be losing any games here in order to stay in the playoffs. They're just going to continue to be a storyline if they can't be successful with what this is going to be really tough. Like Denver, OKC, Milwaukee, Minnesota. Golden State, like they need to destroy Sacramento, Golden State. They need to win that Atlanta game, obviously. Who knows if Embiid is back by Philly? Like this is going to be such a tough stretch, and they're just going to be on ESPN every day about every loss that they manage to get here. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, speaking of uh, the high, the higher end of the spectrum in the in the NBA, the MVP race before the season started, we both picked Jason Tatum as our pick for MVP. Over the last few weeks and months, he he's starting to gain more traction, and a lot of people saying that he should be the number one option for MVP because he is the best player on the best team. But seeing how the season has played out, I probably have him fourth, maybe even fifth on my list. What 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 what, are you, what is your thoughts on that? It's. It's funny, we, we talked about it, and we don't talk about the Celtics enough right now because they've just established this very boring level of success right now. Um, and now it's and now it's at the point where I feel like the MVP always becomes about storylines, and it becomes about, okay, well, if that team's that good and he's like not like super outperforming everybody else, then is he really the most valuable? But it, it's such an arbitrary award at times in situations like this where I think you can obviously see how a player like Tatum is sacrificing for his team. Like he doesn't, he doesn't get as many touches. He's going to move the ball. He's going to be a good teammate. He's going to commit to the defensive end. He's going to commit to spreading the ball out. He's not going to be in ISO all the time, but Oh wait, he's still the top five in ISO creation. He's still one of those guys who you can rely on in those situations, but uh, it, it's tough not to to think of your guys like Shea. I mean, because that, that storyline is a lot more exciting. It's He's the leader of a very young team who's top three, top five team in the NBA right now. It's tough not to think about, you know, still what Jokic is doing because statistically Jokic is still really the MVP if you look at the stats-wise. And he's still maintaining that level of success that's still just a small level above what Tatum's doing. So... I don't know. It, it's always a really tough award. I don't envy the people who have to make those decisions and get railed for it. But I, I think the 
if you really do believe in best team, best player on that best team, then I think he's obviously shown that. So in your opinion, is the, it should be like, obviously it's not, not saying that this is the way that it is. So in your opinion, you think the best player on the best team should be the MVP that you're thinking? Like mm. If you use your choice to make that I don't, call. I, no, I, I guess, I guess I, that I answer that is no, because I think it's more nuanced than that. And I think that, I think that it's, I mean, literally if I'm just taking most valuable player, it's still Jokic to me. Yeah, yeah. You take right. all the stat lines away, if you or not stat lines, if you take all the, the storylines away, I mean, he still is the most valuable player in the league. If you put him on any team in the league, they, they become an instant championship contender. I'm sure you can say that for a few guys, but him especially. Um, and the Nuggets are still, in my mind, championship favorites. And he hasn't slowed down. That nothing's changed from how, how he's been over the past three years. And Embiid's hurt. I think it was, it's literally just process of elimination for me. It's, it's, this is Jokic's league right now still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, that's what it is. Like when I look at the MVP, I, I think it's the most valuable individual to whatever team that, uh, that, that certain player is on. Like how important is that, that individual to the team that they play on? And like you look at like Tatum within Boston, like this is not, I'm not trying to discredit Tatum here, but like you think, if it, say if Tatum had missed the time that Embiid had missed this year. You can really make the argument the Celtics could still be a top four team in the East even without without Tatum, like even if he missed a lot of time. Denver, maybe they could have scraped the top six in the West, but the West is so tough. If Jokic is missing all that time, it'd be really tough for them. But then you look at like OKC, like they'd be in the plan at best if Shea had missed a lot of games. And then you think if like Luca's next on that list, like the Mavs would be tenth or worst if if Luca was missing a missing major time. But in terms of this Tatum on the whole, like you look at like points per game, he's ranking tenth in the league. Rebounds per game, twenty eighth in the league. Assists per game, fifty third in the league. He he has tied a career high in in field goal percentage. He's shooting well uh, for him from uh, from three, and like his combined stats have him ranked in eighth overall in the league. And, and like those sort of numbers, that there's there's not MVP numbers. I know he's still playing great, and I know he's sacrificing that, but. At this moment, he's having the smallest winning impact in his career on the Boston Celtics because the team it just has been built and it is just so good. He's also got the third best net rating on his team. So I know that comes from sacrifice and I know what he brings is still the the X factor for this team. But in terms of MVP, he he just he's just not there for me. Yeah. It's that's why that's why the best player on best team thing is is kind of tough to it's tough to say. And I think even though Tatum is deserving to be in discussion, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, I mean, if I was just going to think about individual impact, I'm going to, I would probably pick Donovan Mitchell over him at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's not, and that's why I, I don't love the MVP conversations because they, they really take away a lot of the nuance because it's, because you could say, Hey, you, you flip those situations. You put Tatum on the Cavs. I, I think Tatum would probably make a similar impact. But he doesn't need to because what this team is doing right now, they've – I mean, look look how good Derek White's been able to be this season. Look how good um, Peyton Pritchard has been able to go off the bench. Look how good all these players on the Celtics have been. And you don't always see that um, on teams that have, like, singular focal points. Like, th- this is not a heliocentric team where it's Jason Tatum and then everybody else. It's not Luka Doncic and everybody else. It's not Jokic and then everybody else. Mitchell everybody like this is a very very balanced team and I don't think it's a situation where a guy like Tatum can win MVP I mean I thought I thought maybe there's another another level to it but maybe this is the better this is the better thing to do I mean how often has Kawhi Leonard been you know an MVP conversation not always often I mean he's, he's not that's not really his style of play until it gets into the playoffs and you need that and I think we can expect that from Tatum yeah yeah no I think that's fair and then just in terms of the race as a whole I know, like the 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 answer probably it, it, it is Jokic. Like what he's doing is, is insane. I I kind of would like to see Shea win it, especially if the 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 Thunder finish above the Nuggets in the standings. I I, I would like to see Shea get the the award. But if if Jokic was to win the award now, like I mean, that's kind of uh, launching him into another realm in terms of his greatness because it doesn't happen too often where a guy wins MVP then doesn't win it for a year and then wins it again. That just shows the level. Uh, 
the level of dominance that he has, even though you might make the argument that he wasn't going to win it if if Embiid uh, stayed healthy. But regardless, what he's doing is still just insane in uh, in Denver. Like every night, he has a triple double. Pretty much like every other night, he he shoots like ninety or a hundred percent from the field. Like it's just insane what he is doing uh, with with the Nuggets and like. If if they're going to be healthy, if they're all, all guns blazing coming into the playoffs, it's still so tough to see anyone beating them. Especially like I just love kind of the games where you see them. No matter how good the Warriors are playing, no matter how good the Lakers are playing, they go up against Denver, and Denver just pushes them aside. Sorry, this is our time now, you know. Yeah, it's it always they they play a different game at times. Um, and I, I it's tough with Shea. Because you want, and I said like the, the storyline, you want to give it to to not just him, but that team. To that team. And everything they've done, I think we're starting to take for granted a little bit because they've been so they've maintained that success without a ton of lows. Like I, I think a lot of young teams, I mean, even even the Timberwolves at times, like they're they have a couple lows. But I think the OKC has been like they've been so consistent at what they do, and Shea's been so consistent at what he does. And bringing it on both ends as well. Like one of the few truly gifted scorers in this league that also is producing defensively as well. And he's doing it at a level at a level that really no other guard has done on both ends of the floor in a long time. So I mean that those are those are reasons to even consider voting for him over Jokic, but still like it's it it feels like it's not close. And it's it's kind of crazy to think about like how good Jokic is when whenever we have these conversations. Yeah, no, you, you kind of when you take a moment to just look back and and, and observe it, it's just uh, it's pretty insane what uh what uh what Jokic is doing in the in the MVP race. But an, another just a quickly on the uh, the most improved race is, is Jalen Williams out in OKC. Is he the number two option behind uh behind Maxi for for most improved this year? I'd say he's behind Kobe White, but that's just oh okay. <laughs> Come on, mate. They they gotta give they gotta give Chicago something. I mean, Jalen Williams over. Maxi kind of like reached that. Maxi kind of reached that, and Jalen, that's if they don't give Shea the MVP, I guess you got to give that team a, some <laughs> something because Chestnut winning, Chestnut winning a uh, Rookie of the Year, um, especially after he got I, owned by Wemby last night, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, that last block. What Wemby, man, just just real quick, what Wemby did in the fourth quarter, those those pull up threes, man, that's. It's still he still does things like like they said that just drop your jaw. It's insane. But on Jalen Williams, I think the argument for him is like not only does he definitely fit the bill for a most improved type player, he's do he's doing it on a team that's aiming very high. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not to take away from what like a player like Kobe White is doing, because I think he's you gotta give credit for Kobe White where he's doing it in a situation that's they're just objectively falling apart. But Jalen Williams on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's he's evolving in every way that his scouting report showed, and few players do that. Few like it's it's really tough. Like as we've found over the last few years, like really trying to like work on our our scouting of of rookies and college players, and all the things that he's shown as a college player has developed into something real in the NBA this early in his career. The playmaking. The defense, the off-ball shooting, the pull-up shooting too, mm. what he's able to achieve offensively, um, playing him as a point guard. Like that's just stuff that at this point, at his young age, it's just it's just insane. So yeah, I, I think I would I would give it to him at this point, um, to the point of giving OKC something. I mean, they gotta win. <laughs> Someone's gotta win some award there. I mean, Mark Daniel, maybe he gets uh coach of the year, but yeah, hats off. I would say Jalen Williams deserves it. Yeah, I will say that at least you picked Joe Mazzula as your coach of the year pre uh, preseason, and then uh, that's that, that's uh, that's looking like a pretty good, a pretty damn good uh, good bet so far. So uh, you're definitely uh, definitely in the lead in terms of the the, the predictions before the uh, before the start of the season. Before we uh, get into the Houston Rockets, I just want to mention one thing: the Detroit Pistons at this mm-hmm. moment are not the worst team in the NBA. They are currently 14th in the Eastern Conference after the loss for the Wizards last night. The Wizards are now currently the worst team in the National Basketball Association. So shout out to the Pistons. They're not the worst for this, maybe just a day. <laughs> I told you. It's it's only going to get better. It can't get worse. Mm, yeah, they can always try. All right. Houston Rockets. We 
we jumped into them early this season. We had a lot of praise to them. They went on that little run early early on the season. But uh, recently, they've kind of fallen off a cliff. They're pretty much, I think they're they're out of uh, of the yeah. playing contention. Where where are they? What are they? What are they looking at now? Like what what are the what are the moves they're going to make moving forward? What are the positives you've seen so far this season in in Yudoka's first year? Yeah, I, I mean it's been really tough losing twenty four of the last thirty six. Um, seeing some old offensive trends that you saw last year. Um, at times where you know, the, the game shift away from team ball to just kind of your turn, my turn, whether that's, you know, on Jabari doing it, Shangun doing it, Green doing it. And I think where we should probably start is about uh, a positive. I mean, this season has been the biggest part of the season is two things. One is that their defense is real and bringing in Udoka, bringing in the vets has created a culture of valuing that end of the floor. That is real. And point one A, point one B rather, like Shangun is part of that. They can play defense with Shangun on the floor. And that's something that was a major question of this roster construction. That was one of the biggest things at the beginning of the season is all right, you've got all these pieces here. You bring in the defensive coach. Does Shangun even fit in that? Does he get out of the rotation because they're valuing a different way of playing? And it's been the exact opposite. They've been able to be good defensively with him on the floor. And he's been the focal point of the offense when they really focus in on that end. Um, so positives there, I think, are huge because for the long term with this coach pairing and with the signings that they had, I think that they have they have at least established their like foundation right there. But what has continued to be a struggle is the offense and figuring out their identity on that end of the floor. And I think the that's that's where we start um, on the negatives. And let's just talk about Jalen Green for a second. I mean, third season, I was a huge believer, not not just as a rookie, but going to second year, uh, really capped it off his, his rookie year with a was forty point game, and then averaging over twenty points a game last season, and just really looking like he was going to ascend in that third year, kind of take that Anthony Edwards level trajectory. Um, and it's been a tough adjustment. It's been tough, and we've heard the the talk about him being frustrated with his role. Um, obviously, his he's had less touches, he's had less opportunities on the ball, which I think personally is a good thing. But how do you feel about where he's been offensively, and and how his efficiency has dipped, and if this is something to be worried about, or just a natural course of figuring out where he is on this team? Yeah, I mean, it's tough for him because, like you said, his usage as a whole hasn't really gone down by that much. It's not. It's the it's same gone, as Shangun's, yeah. Like, it's gone down by 0.8% from last year. And you would have thought that would have been pretty d- drastic given that they brought in a, a point guard like Fred Van Leet. Like, it hasn't taken that massive drop-off, but he hasn't really been able to sustain what he was doing last year or, or even improve on it, which is what was the real hope. Still only a 21-year-old kid. That's the the, yeah. the slight... The slight thing you think about it, he's still coming into a new coach. This is still such a young team, and sometimes it can be tough to really flourish when it's full of guys that are trying to figure it out, kind of a uh, kind of way. But I'd be a bit on the side of has this season kind of shown the Rockets that maybe they're going to move on from him. What we've seen from Whitmore, what we've seen from uh, from Amen Thompson, like obviously they spent all that money on Fred Van Vliet. I feel like this year is kind of a year where they're maybe thinking that Jalen Green might just be surplus to requirements and maybe this team will fit better if he is not a part of it. That's that's the, the vibe I'm kind of getting from his form and just from the, the performance of some of the other guys within the, within the team. Yeah, and that so that's when you approach the offseason, and obviously this is not the offseason, but we've just established the reality that the Rockets are probably, they're they're not going to perform in the playoffs at this point and they've made massive strides and i think that's what we talked about early in the season is that this is all great but it's probably going to take more time than just this i i still don't the the option of moving on from him is is a tricky one i mean look, look at what um what the kings did in a similar position where they know the halliburton's young and he's talented but you could win now if you get a bonus had the best year of of their uh, last two decades for the Kings. 
but I don't know how much buyer's regret is still there or seller's regret, you should say, um, as you see how good Halliburton is another system that emphasizes him. Now, that is not a comparison of those two players at all. I, I'm, I'm merely thinking about the fact that, as you said, he's so young and there's so many different ways this, this team has not tried yet, even in this We've only we've only played through seventy percent of the season, and that's one season together with these guys. This is the first season really where Alfred Shengun is like a legitimate hub of an offense, and Green is trying to adjust to that. Because I think I think Green's potential is is so much higher than what it is right now because mm-hmm. he hasn't learned how to be an off ball player fully. Um, maybe that's something that's not in his DNA, but I mean, you just see how good he can be when he's cutting. He's only doing that two times a game. You see how good he can be coming off screens, shooting the ball, unblockable, uncontestable with his athleticism, the, the the amount of height he gets on his jumper. Doesn't do that as frequently. And, and somehow that's that efficiency has just not been there. You see how good he can be in handoffs. That only happens 1.5 times per game, 70th percentile there. There are just so many parts of his game that hasn't been able to adjust to the system that the idea of trading that, that's tough. Because they have assets. And they, how often do you see, like, if, if a star player asks out, team is asking for talented young player plus draft assets. Mm-hmm. And you look across the league and it's like, all right, well, who's actually going to get off of their promising young player? That rarely ever happens. So, I mean, that this is a recipe brewing for, I think, a potential irresponsible decision if they get off too soon. But maybe uh, you mentioned Amen Thompson. You mentioned Cam Whitmore. I mean, maybe you see an uh, alternate reality there where Josh Green, awesome, but we also have two awesome guys that we can invest in that we think could be as good or better in different areas that we need more. And if we can get that star player and develop those guys, then maybe maybe this is something that does happen. It's one of those rare situations, like kind of a, a Tyrese Halliburton situation where you trade off a guy that a lot of people in the league are like, well, I think he's going to be a future star player. So both things can be correct, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, like, I think Amen Thompson's kind of really starting to look like a guy that I think Yudoka will love because he's really starting to look like that two-way threat. He's really mm-hmm. starting to look like that impactful player on both ends. Obviously, got those that insane athleticism. And like Cam, Whit- Cam Whitmore has been impressive. Like he early in the on the season, he wasn't really getting in the rotation. He wasn't really getting many minutes. But over the last while, I think we're seeing a lot more of him. He's averaging twelve points per game off the bench. Like he's he's looked good. Like he was a he was a great pickup for them. Uh, uh, in the uh, in the off season in, in the draft, like we've already seen with the Rockets, like they've they've had their. We've seen Yudoka put his imprint on this team straight off the bat. Like they've gone from the twenty ninth ranked defense to the sixth ranked defense. Like that is a that is a ginormous yeah. jump. They're 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 just slightly improved in terms of uh, in terms of offense too. But I think it's easier to to coach. Yeah, you, know, you make the argument it can be easier to coach offense than it is to coach defense and figuring out the defense first is maybe is maybe a, a positive maybe that they, they just need a, a different type of coach like you mentioned maybe a different coach to come in and uh, and figure out how to blend uh, a better offense to to really match this defense and really turn this team into a winner yeah I mean I don't know it, it's funny you say that because I think that it depends on the situation um you, you look at Depends what your personnel is. I think it's easy. It's easier to coach defense um, when you got a guy like Dylan Brooks and Fred VanVleet on the floor, and then you throw um, Uncle Jeff out there too. Um, and then That's fair. That's when you fair. get a guy like Tari Eason who loves playing, and that that is also another point to this season. Where we're talking about the whole. It's unfortunate that Tari has been injured because man, he's looked like a steal over the last mm-hmm. couple of years and defensively. Um, kind of a wild comparison that uh, Yudoka called him a young Kawhi Leonard but I mean hey like the the playmaking he's got a little bit of shown a little bit more on offense the defense but and I I feel like offensively for a unique group like this it is a little tough and that's why I'm I'm wondering you know is there a role for an offensive coordinator on a team like this if can you can you bring in some another offensive mind to the coaching staff that can figure this out because they don't naturally mesh and you don't have a lot of natural playmakers outside of Shengun. Fred VanVleet is like, I mean, he's the most common word used for him as a, a steward and that, that is not a knock at all, but um, he's 70th percentile in pick and roll creation. 
Um, he's not the best pull-up mid-range shooter, so teams don't have to worry too much about his jump shot coming off the screen. And as a passer, I mean, he's he is short, so it's tough for him to like to really make some of those advanced passes at his height in the pick and roll. So like their lead point guard is not doing that. Josh, uh, not Josh Green, J- um, Jalen yeah. Green. There's too many greens right now, man. <laughs> especially yeah. in the Western Conference. Um, but Jalen Green, I mean, he's in the 50th percentile for a reason. He's still he's making some of the simple reads, but he's not a great creator there. And I think that's why they're trying to take him off ball. Then Amen Thompson, a guy who I mean, really can't shoot at all, but he's probably their most gifted passer already. And it's tough. It's tough to try and figure out how to run an offense like that. Cause if you if you were coaching an offense where you just had a natural pick and roll creator, natural um, center who just rim rolls. There you go. There's there's a big foundation block of your offense. But there's just a lot of people, a lot of players on this team that don't have that seamless fit where you got to have something creative. Um, I think you've seen kind of how offenses have changed with coaching, like you saw with the 76ers this year, how they're running so many more off-ball actions to get shooters open around and bead and I, I don't know stuff, stuff like that stuff like what you've seen with Nick Nurse in 76ers running that with Shangun because my, my concern about Shangun is um you know we could shift the conversation to him a little bit is I think the the common wisdom would think okay let's just like force everything through Shangun he's been such a good passer he's been really great in the post but as the defense has really adjusted to him his efficiency in the post has gone way down He's still scoring a lot, but his his efficiency, I mean, he's below the 50th percentile in efficiency in post-ups. You, I mean, he's doing the second most, so it's tough to kind of say, but the double and triple teams he's even talked about has been tough for him. So just compounding that with the the shooting. So th- there's got to be more than just, okay, just give the ball more to Shingun. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of figuring out that, that balance that doesn't kind of take away from his game, but also uses his almost as, as the main home, and he can still be that, that go-to guy and, and maybe they'll figure it out. I think the 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 question they got to ask themselves is like, do we want to give this another year next year or is it time to make another move? Because obviously they were aggressive in the uh in the free agent market last year. They they obviously spent a lot of their cap, but now they've got assets where they could make another trade this summer if they uh if one became available on it and if they really wanted it. So the big question I think that Houston Rockets front office needs to to ask themselves between now and the uh, and the summer is, do we want to give this another year? This is still a very young team. We've seen a big increase on our defense. Do we want to give it a year to see if maybe the the offense can balance out on that end, or do we want to be aggressive and maybe try and put press fast forward on, on this process? Yeah, the I don't think I, I really hope they don't fast forward. There's too many unknowns. There's too many unknowns. You don't know. You don't know how good these three wings can be. Uh, and there maybe there is a world in which they all can work together. I mean, the future is if you can have Thompson, Green, Whitmore, and Shingun, if, if somehow that can work together, and Tari, then obviously not maybe not all on the same floor together, but ideally I think they'd all say, hey, we, we're NBA starters. If, if there is a world in which that exists, where you can – Grow all your talent there. I don't think you decide that after one year, and you can't. Um, obviously, they, they have some draft assets, um, and maybe they have to make that decision next summer. But I think I think there should be a level of positivity in what they have achieved, and just realistically, what maybe they just need a coaching change. Maybe they just need to like work together for a summer on offense and figure out what really what really worked for them. Cause I think at times is the disorganization on offense comes from the inconsistent shooting on the outside. And hopefully mm-hmm. that gets better. Um, but I don't, it I'll, just seems I'll, too soon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And obviously when you say coach change, I think you don't mean get rid of your dog. No. You mean add, add in an offensive no. line beside yeah. him as an assistant. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I just wanted to confirm that for the listeners. I, I no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a huge fan of what Yudoka's has done and he's done exactly what he's been asked to do. And the players obviously have, have said great things about him. Um, and I mean, look, look at the biggest part, the biggest win for Yudoka, I think is how well he's coached uh, Shingun 
which mm-hmm. I did not expect. I did not expect, uh, you know, you didn't really see the that sort of play in Boston. They didn't have that sort of player. You didn't know if Yudoka would be able to um, have a similar kind of approach to him, and he really has. And it's been it's really paid dividends in his development. Yeah, that's been it's been quite helpful to uh, to my fantasy team as well, which is uh, which is, uh, I'm sure I'm sure Amy Yudoka was thinking about my fantasy team when he yeah, when he came it's in. It's really uh, it's really helped uh, support your what is what are you the seventh seed? Hey, I'm on the rise. Well, no, I'm not really. I'm I'm on the outskirts of the play-in at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 the Lakers right now, you know. But uh, I think that 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 wrap it up. I think be 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 patient, Houston. Don't there's no there's no need to to rush here. There's this is still a young team, and and uh, you gotta you gotta make sure you remember that. Look at look at the Brooklyn Nets. Pressing the fast forward button doesn't doesn't uh doesn't usually uh doesn't often work out. It doesn't definitely doesn't always work out. It's more likely to fail than it is to uh to succeed in my opinion. So definitely Houston Rockets, time time uh, time to be patient. Yeah. Should we do something we haven't done in a while? The weekly Wemby check-in. Oh yeah. Yep. Alien dude. That like the what was it? Last Friday, last Thursday against the Lakers, that uh the the five by five game, like just insane. Then last night against the Thunder, he was the first ever player with twenty eight 10 boards, five assists, five blocks. Like, dude is just, and five threes as well. The dude is just, he's next level. When he really figures it out and when the Spurs have any sort of decent team around him, like, watch out. Yeah, it's it's funny that you want him to get the ball more and we're just checking over usage and he's, he's like top, he's top 30 in usage in the league. So, I mean, he is being used like one of the top 30 players in the league Um, and as a rookie too. That's insane. I want to say he's approaching like 28, 29% usage. But I mean, dude, him and Chet, is that our favorite matchup in the league? Like, yeah, I love I, it. I love it. I mean, to, comparing that to like when you see like Curry versus LeBron or Kawhi versus LeBron, or when you get Celtics versus Heat, just those matchups that you look forward to. Like, I, I really, I really hope the Spurs continue to build over the season because that, that matchup is something that everyone looks forward to at this point. And this, I mean, hey, the Spurs pulled it off. Spurs got the win against OKC. I mean, OKC is not a team that lies down, and they, they got a good team win. Um, so, at least, at least in that game, I got to give them credit. But man, Wimby's just been still insane. Unfortunately, we won't see him in the playoffs. Hopefully, that that's not something we predicted. So that that's not something that we uh, we fumbled today. Might have been a, a big review of uh, predictions we fumbled, but at least we didn't go that far. No, no, like I said before, like he's obviously been a good rookie. He's had games where he's done insane things. But like I said before, unless he's doing full Michael Jordan level rookie season, there was no hope of them uh, of them doing anything. And uh, we, 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 were, we were we were right on that one. We didn't go too we didn't go too crazy on it. But what he has done, the the player he looks like he's going to be, like when you see some of the things he does at his size, and like the times when you see him dunk and he just walks up and just places the ball gently into the rim. Doesn't have to jump, doesn't have to do anything, just places it straight in the rim it's just he is just a freak of nature and as long as he stays healthy the the things he could do as a as a two-way player in this league like he's gonna he can eclipse so many great players if he stays healthy and and the Spurs really build this a legit team around him and, and it could happen quick like don't be don't be shocked if he's one of he's like a top 10 player in the league by the by this time by this time next year especially when you think of the fact that he's probably averaging maybe like five, six, even seven minutes less than he probably will uh, as as he moves forward in his career. Like him, when he starts getting legit like 33, 34 minutes a night, think about what he could do. Yeah, I think because one of my favorite things about him is watching him play defense. Um, and not and not the not even the blocks. It's just where he is positioned on the floor. Um, so they take him off of Chet, they put him on a non-shooter, and he is like defending like almost half the the half court like where, where he's at at time he's almost like zoning up and the the couple of blocks that he got um on Jalen Williams and on Shea he was like almost at the elbow on the opposite on the weak side and just he just takes one step he's contesting it or just completely blocking it off the, the side of the backboard and like that if he is a top 10 player I wouldn't be surprised because of his defensive impact just thinking about like 
who is a better defender than him in the league? Obviously, mm-hmm. what we see from Giannis, I mean, he's doing he's doing things that Giannis does like right now. Post defender, I mean that that's where like can he beef up? Can he get a little bigger? Can he be a guy that can survive? Uh, a guy like Jokic, a guy like Embiid. I mean that that would really truly set him apart as special if he can um, get a little bit stronger in the post. But I mean, just what he does defend it's insane. The amount of ground he covers, the reads that he has too. Because there's Shea doesn't get blocked a lot because he's so crafty. Like you don't know where he's gonna release from. You don't know if he's gonna get another step through. You don't know if he's gonna scoop or if he's gonna fade or if he's gonna turn. And like Wemby just has those kind of instincts to just get the the block, and it's it's insane. Yeah, and also he can just like he, he can be five five steps away from the guy and just stretch out a hand and, and block it with these. He's just there. Which, <laughs> He's just everywhere. Uh, yeah. Which is also which is also very very helpful and there. Uh, Obviously, last night I loved his reaction as well when he was uh, when he was getting interviewed after the game, just about how much he loved winning. Like that's something that he's he's kept on going back to all year. Like he he's he's pissed off that this team is not winning. His whole focus is winning. He doesn't care what he's doing. He wants to be winning, even after they compared him with that that stat that he only Michael Jordan had along with him. He was like, yeah, but did Michael Jordan lose when he did it? I, I, pro- probably not. Like his whole his whole focus, his whole mindset is is being part of a winning team and. Maybe, maybe it happens this year. I think the Spurs. I think the Spurs would be smart to be aggressive in the off season to at least add some some piece to to really help Wemby flourish from year two on. Because like, there's no obviously you can be patient, but there's also an element of this can be great very quickly if if it, if it, the options are there for them. Yeah, um, I'll keep preaching patience. I'm afraid of the AD. AD situation, you trade away all your assets, you you make the move too soon. Um, obviously this draft isn't great, but I, I think they'll if if they're aggressive, what's the biggest thing you need to add? A legit a legit point guard. Like I was saying before with the trail. I think the the legit point guard that can just feed Wemby for days who could be a threat as a as an outside shooter. I, I think that that'd be the, the, the main thing that I, I'm looking at. Obviously, you know, there's the things with defense and different other things like that, but in terms of the main need, it's that point guard to really be the ultimate number two to, to Wemby's, to Wemby's Superman. Yeah. Um, what I did want to go back real quick. Super, super quick. There's one question I have in general about the Rockets that we didn't cover. Cause you mentioned Cam Whitmore. It made me think. Let's just rewind to Cam Whitmore and what we've seen from him. If you can you picture a team with Cam Whitmore and Jalen Green together? Based on what you see from Cam, his lack of playmaking, Green's clear lack of natural playmaking, both of them on the floor. Together. Probably not. Probably not, right? And that I think that's that's the only that's the one thing I want to close on the Rockets for if we before we end. Is just thinking about that. That is the one long term thing that that I think about as as I continue watching play. Um, that those two guys are too similar in how their their approach to the game. That I can't imagine long term that working out because I think Cam is a true starter and could be an offensive star. And I think kind of the same thing for Green. So, yeah, I think, and but you think it also is they're they're closer to the time where they have to make a decision on whether or not they want to pay Jalen Green. So that's why I think maybe he could be the one that that goes. You trade him to a team that's willing to pay him mm. next year. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of that's that's the that's the other the other side of the coin out there. It's not just a decision on the players; it's whether or not you want to pay this guy, and they have a, a little bit extra time to wait before they have to make that decision with uh, with Cam Whitmore. Yeah. So we close on the Rockets. Close on Wemby. Um, anything else that you're looking forward to in this stretch of the all post All Star break? How are your Mavs doing? Looking, they're still they're still looking okay, but no, Luca Luca's looking against... awesome. Yeah, the, the the loss to the Pacers was bad. Obviously, Max Struess. We didn't even mention Max Struess. Like that shot, the the, the, ultimate, yep. the ultimate heat check from Mac, from Max Struess. Like he played five minutes, he hit five threes, he hit that shot from half court, the smoothest. Half court heave, I think anyone's ever seen that shot from Max Strews. Like that was obviously a really, really tough loss for for the Maz, but the way that the the Cavaliers won it, you just gotta you just gotta give props to them in that situation. 
Yeah, I think that's that's probably the greatest heat check of last five years. Last five years, maybe. I, I haven't seen anything like that. What was it? Twelve straight points in the last five minutes or so to win the game. The buzzer beat, like ugh, that was insane. No, yeah, that's awesome. like I couldn't. I couldn't believe when I was watching that. And I, like I said, you think the game is done? Like there was what? There's like two point one seconds to go. They didn't have a timeout. Max Struess on the on the ultimate heater of his career, just uh, just produces like that. Just obviously insane. Cavs then they dropped. Who did they lose to? They lost a bad game the night after that, right? Who did they lose? To? I can't <laughs> uh, even think. It's to us. It's the Bulls. Yeah, to the Bulls. The Sorry, double yeah, the overtime. double overtime. But yeah, the, like you said, the Bulls have become a bit of a tricky team. Like uh, they've beaten some good teams, and if they're in games down in the clutch, you got the Rosen, you got. Guys making big plays. Drummond having the impact that he's having. Vooch is ha- starting to have a better impact again as well. Kobe's still hitting his shots. Like it's they become a bit of a, a tricky team, and and I think a team that people are probably underestimating because it's been such a iffy season because of like losing Levine. You kind of just forget about the Bulls, and and they're kind of taking advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, you you never know what you're gonna get. Are they gonna lose to the Detroit Pistons, or are they gonna win a double overtime to the Cleveland Cavs? Depends on the night. It's uh an emotional roller coaster and we played milwaukee tonight so i mean that if if you're looking for a trap game that that's the one on espn you never know yeah they're gonna make they're gonna make, want to make that statement on uh on national tv you know that's just uh that's what the bulls are all about i think the the big thing i'm looking at now between now and the end of the season is the race for the the four five and six seed in the uh in the eastern conference i think that's uh Really interesting with the way the Knicks are struggling with the injured players, the way obviously Philly are struggling, the the good form the Miami Heat have been in of late. Obviously, they lost last night to the Nuggets, but I think we can give them, we can allow that. It's okay to lose to the Nuggets, but outside of that, the form they've been in has been uh, has been really good. They're they're looking like they're primed to make a make a late season push. Can the Pacers take advantage? Like I hope they would. They've been a bit iffy at the All Star break, won games like they they obviously beat the Pels the other night, which was good. They beat the Mavs, which was great, but they also dropped the game to the Raptors, which was pretty bad. So they're still kind of... Uh, a Raptors, bit... I mean, Raptors have looked good. They're another team, too. Like, after the major trades they made, like, they, they've shown they've they've gotten a lot better. They have, but they the, the Pacers should, should still be wanting to beat the, the, the Toronto Raptors. That That's just... They, they took their best player. They they got to they gotta want to make the uh, make make that impact count. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of something I'm definitely looking forward to for the rest of the season. That race, see what happens. See when Knicks get their players back. Tom Thibodeau says he thinks he could get all three back by the end of March, which obviously would be would be great. Gives them enough time to kind of get get back into things before before the playoffs. Thankfully, Philly are struggling so much that maybe the Knicks won't drop off that that great great a deal into the playing or anything like that. The the worry I do have is watching Brunson the last couple of games, watching a couple of the other guys, they're starting to look a little tired, yeah, looking dude, looking I mean, a bit looking you. a bit worn down, and that's just the negative of of the Tom Thibodeau system. And it, it's it's tough. Like I, I was saying this, I don't know if I said it on the pod, but I've been saying it to some guys before before this season. Like this is going to be a, a true test of Tom Thibodeau. Does his system is just it just doesn't work in the modern era? He does he just demand too much? I like I hate saying this because you, you got to demand a lot of your players. You can't uh, can't go easy on them. But like the Knicks, just they put in so much every game, every night of of training. You know they're just pushed so hard and they're pushed to the limits. Even in games they're winning, they still have to be out on the floor. Like they've got they they, I think it's gonna be too tired when it gets to the play the, to the playoffs. That's something we we we've, we've seen. Maybe it's not tiredness. Maybe it's just not having that playoff now. So we've definitely seen it with Julius Randle. But that's the worry that you still have with the Knicks, especially watching them of late. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm continuing to be worried about it. Um, I've seen it firsthand with the Bulls. I've seen it just like you've seen it over and over with the Knicks. And they they need to be healthy come the postseason. Because they, they have a chance. I mean, they have a chance to really do something, I think. Um, and just talking about the five and six, I mean, the Magic and the Pacers are coming. The Magic, they've won, I believe, 12 of their last 15. They've looked like they've kind of flipped the script a bit after kind of a slow December, November. And the Pacers, too. I mean, th- those two teams are really coming for the 76ers and Knicks. I, I don't I don't know, man. It's really it's really tight. It's really tight. 76ers still there in fifth seed. Um, but Magic and Pacers both with 34 wins. And Knicks are not too far ahead. 
So it's not safe. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Thibodeau is really going to take his foot off the pedal. And I don't think. Anybody, oh, no, that's not happening. No, that's, that's not happening at all. <laughs> so at the expense of keeping the fourth seed, who knows where, where you guys are in terms of health at the mm-hmm. start of the postseason. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you guys accept being a six seed. Cause I, I think that would, I think the Knicks match up fine against anybody. They're going to fight the same. They're going to keep the same advantages. I think that they have, and it would be Maybe better to be healthy. Six seed against the Cavs or the Bucks, probably. Yeah, yeah. See, see, see what happens there. Yeah, I would definitely take that. I mean, strategically, I mean, if if the Cavs are there, if they're still there in two seed, easily, I I would not I would not worry about that because it just perception wise, yeah. what we saw from them last season. Yeah, um, Nick's, Nick's got that that psycho psychological advantage so. on those Cavs, yeah. you know. Yeah, that that's gotta be that's gotta be the way that it is. Uh, so is it time for me to ruin your day with a quiz? Uh no, I'm gonna ruin yours actually. Oh, okay. Okay. This one's gonna be easy because I was looking at as we were talking about um pick and roll efficiency and something that we think maybe the Rockets should have. It's a good time to think like who are the best creators in the league in pick and roll? Uh, one of them will surprise you. Can you name the top five? I'll give you I'll give you ten chances. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, uh, let's see who who have we got in the pick and roll. Uh, Steph Curry and Draymond are in there. We got uh, a name not, not partners, just uh, just okay, so the uh, the hand ball handler. Steph Curry. No, he's not no. in the top seven. Damn. Uh, let's see. Is well, Dame should be in there, but he probably isn't. Nope, not even in the top seven. He, I believe, he's eighth. Oh damn. God, really, really good start here for me. Uh, Luca, obvious one. Yep. Okay, he's third. Keep it smart there. Uh, Jamal Murray. Interesting. No, not in the top seven. Okay. I think he was out of the top ten. Who else we got now? I'm trying to think of like the 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 the, the legit player. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. No. Not in the top seven. God damn, I'm doing so well here. Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> see, see how this feels? Nope. <laughs> oh man. You gotta go for the obvious one, man. Who am I? Who Luca's I... Luca's an obvious one. Who's another obvious yeah, one? Yeah, who who else is another obvious one? I'm trying Stay in the Western Conference. The Western, the Western Conference. Anthony Edwards. Uh he is, I believe, ninth or tenth. He is not in the top seven. Oh god, this is going so well. James Harden. He is in the top ten. Oh man, he is not in the top ten. Oh god, who the hell am I forgetting in the in the Western Conference? Who's the opposite one I'm, I'm forgetting? Is it Devin Booker? Two, two guys. No? Yes, he's there. Fifth. We go. He All is right. fifth. Devin Booker. Okay. Who else have we got then? So obviously, so there's a few guys that should be in there that obviously that obviously aren't, which is uh, which is definitely uh, throwing me a lot. Is Jalen Brunson in there? He is seventh. Okay. Close to sixth. All right. Who do you think is the top in the league potential MVP? Shea? Shea is the best. Okay. Yeah, that was a stupid one. I should have, yes. I should have, I should have. That, that was, that's bad. That's a bad L. So what have I, I got? Did I get two? So Shea is first, unknown second, Lucas third, your boy Halliburton is fourth. Oh, Booker is fifth. You right. would never in a million years guess the second in points for possession and efficiency, which leads to their percentile. So this is the is second. like Kobe White. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Terry Rosier. Gee, damn. Second. <laughs> secondly, that, that stretch of, of, of scoring he had uh, earlier yeah. in the season ha- yeah. has to be a uh, Really fluffing those numbers up, but yeah, yeah, big time. I was never getting Terry Rozier. Damn, yeah, that's uh, that was that one was definitely that. There was not, I, we could have been here all day. I wouldn't have guessed Terry Rozier. <laughs> no, never, you, you'd never get it. Um, yeah, Jalen Brunson. I, I'm surprised you didn't, surprised you didn't say that first. Yeah, I was kind of just thinking, like, like, yeah, 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 there was a few bad ones there that I didn't get, like Tyrese. Obviously, that was a terrible one. Like, he's my boy. How did I not think of him as a as a legit one there, yeah. There's a few. There's a few bad misses there. I think I gotta just gotta take my medicine on that one. Uh, like, 
you you did the monotone, so I'll go I'll go for the history one on my on my quiz for you. Okay. Let's do it. Can you name the eleven players? Eleven. Can with I name 10, players? With ten plus thirty point triple doubles. Now the hint I'll give you from the start here: do not overthink this. Yeah, that's all right. I say. Just okay. don't overthink it, and you'll be fine. Eleven. All right, Russell Westbrook. Yes. James Harden. Yes. LeBron James. Yes. Um, Nikola Jokic. Yep. Joel Embiid. No, not Joel Embiid. He, no, he doesn't do triple doubles. Come on. He's had a few. All right. Uh, so then let's go to. How about? We're gonna have to go back here. So, let's give one to Magic Johnson. Bingo. Let's give Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. Um. How about did MJ? Mm-hmm. Sixteen okay. times. Okay. I wonder how many of those. What was the the year where he decided to be point MJ? Mm, a lot, probably. Um. All right, so I got three more to go. Four, Let's, four more. I got four. Mm-hmm. Four. Um, can we throw in Steph Curry? No. Yeah. Steve Nash. Nope. Steve hmm. Nash doesn't score thirty points. I know. Oh, so that was the <laughs> throw on there. Um, who's getting Oh, okay. So. I mean, I feel like the answer for all these is always like, if I don't say Wilt first, then that's done. So I should just say Wilt. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got three more to go. Um, okay. 34 triple doubles. I'm stalling. Give me a hint. Okay, let's see. You got two guys who are still playing, still thriving, and one throwback. Two are still playing and still thriving. Um, ten. ten I don't think Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. All right, thirty point triple. Ten thirty point triple doubles. Ten yeah. thirty point triple doubles. Who are currently playing and thriving? Can we? Can we get Jason Tatum? You cannot. Oh, he. Ah, oh, man. Okay. Um, Giannis. Bingo, 17. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis. Who is still playing? I already said Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi? No. Come on. <laughs> Kawhi, even, Kawhi has like one career triple double or something, no? Mm. So you got one guy still still playing, and the other guy is the original Mister Triple Double from way back when. Um, the original Triple Double, sixties, seventies. Oscar. Mm-hmm. One hundred and six. Oh wow! Yeah, and then Ru- Russ. Yeah, that was your Russ. And Russ got forty-eight. <sighs> Hmm. Who is still playing now? Is he is he a big? You said playing and thriving. Mm-hmm. Thriving. thriving. Emphasis on thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, who's thriving that you, you haven't there? mentioned yet? Sabonis. <laughs> not Sabonis. Oh, not, not a big. Not a big. Um. Oh, Shay. No, not Shay. You're in the right conference, at least. Booker? No. Dude, I think it's not it's not Fox. Oh man, you were you were just struggling here. Yeah, it's it. I'm done. You're done. Luka Doncic. Oh my god. See? See, this is this this is painful. Just it's just past LeBron for third most all time with 39 uh, 30 point triple doubles. I thought you would have got Luca now. Like you, you did good there though. That was the most obvious one. That yeah. was the most obvious one. 
liked I liked how you got Magic and Bird and MJ early. That was those those were good shots because they're kind of ones like especially like Bird and like you wouldn't think <laughs> Magic of having 30, 30 point triple doubles and like even MJ like that. Those were those were good shots. But like I said, you didn't overthink it and you, and you did well there. Yeah, ten of yeah. eleven can't go. Last on. one was last one was so easy. <laughs> All right, I'll take the L there. Yeah, that's just that's just the way it goes. You you did a lot better than I did on my quiz, so like that's you, you can take the win, you can take the win for today, which is uh which is always good. But uh, I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. Chris, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, to all our listeners, thank you so much for being here with us. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, we are everywhere on social media at Coast to Coast NBA, and most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.